Someone has said that the joy of motherhood is what a woman experiences when all the children have gone to bed. Every year on the second Sunday in May, we celebrate Mother's Day. It is a day set aside to honor mothers everywhere. It is the day your family says, leave the dishes today, Mom. It's Mother's Day. You shouldn't be working. You can do them tomorrow. Anna M. Jarvis first suggested the national observance of an annual day honoring all mothers because she loved her mother so dearly. And at a memorial service for her mother on May 10th, 1908, Miss Jarvis gave a carnation, her mother's favorite flower, to each person who attended. And within a, the next few years, the idea of a day to honor Mothers gained popularity, and Mother's Day was observed in a number of large U.S. cities. On May 9, 1914, by an act of Congress, President Woodrow Wilson proclaimed the second Sunday in May, Mother's Day. He established the day as a time for public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. And by then it had become customary to wear a white carnation in honor of departed mothers, and a red one to honor the living, which is a custom that many are not even aware of, but is still practiced by some today. Regardless of that, it's certainly a day that mothers deserve. Mothers deserve to be honored. And today on Mother's Day, we say thank you to all of our mothers for their undying love, for their untiring work, their selfish, unselfish giving, and their unwavering devotion. Abraham Lincoln once said, No man is poor who has a godly mother. He also said, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have followed me, they have clung to me all my life. All that I am and hope to be, I owe to my mother. A mother's love is special. It is so special that when God describes his love for his people, he compares it to a mother's love. Isaiah 66:13 says, As one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted in Jerusalem. When the God of heaven wanted to communicate his heart to the people he loved, he used a mother's love to describe it. And in the New Testament, the early leader, the Apostle Paul, a strong, rough, task-oriented, driven man, could find no other way to describe his love for the people he had poured his life into than to compare it to a mother's love. First Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8 says, but we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Having thus a fond affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. The great apostle Paul could find no better description of unconditional life-sharing love than to describe it 
as the love a mother displays. This is a special day in which we have the privilege of expressing our love back to our mothers. Mother's Day was designed as a day to honor mom with love. And if your mother is still living today, I encourage you to tell her how much she means to you. More phone calls will be made today than any other day of the, uh, of the year. More cards will be sent for Mother's Day than any other occasion. And men, I want to ask you today to encourage your wife, the mother of your children, because it's not very often that a four-year-old will come up and say, gee, mom, thanks for not spending all your time cleaning the house so that you can't sit down and read a book to me. But you can thank her for them. And moms, I want you to know that God holds motherhood in very high esteem. And no matter what our society may say, if you are a mother today, you rank very high in the sight of God. And what you do in nurturing and caring for your children does not go unnoticed by your Heavenly Father. Now, there are many wonderful mothers described for us in God's Word. But there's one that I want to talk about this morning that may not be as well known as the others. And yet, I believe she can be a tremendous encouragement to all of the mothers in our congregation today. Our text does not give her name, but in the sixth chapter of Exodus, in the 20th verse, we're told what her name is, Jochebed. It literally means the Lord is my glory. Jochebed is the mother I want to talk about this morning. She is the mother of the great lawgiver, the man Moses. And I want you to notice four things about this incredible mother. And my prayer is that this will be a great encouragement to all you moms here this morning. Notice, first of all, the dilemma she encountered. The account begins by telling us about the mother Moses and the historical circumstances of the birth of the young boy Moses. Remember that the children of Israel had come down into the land of Egypt. Joseph was there, and he sent for his family to come down there. And so Jacob and all the children of Israel moved down into the land of Egypt. And they were there for a period of 400 years. The Bible tells us in that first chapter of Exodus that there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. That changed the circumstances. That changed the atmosphere and the environment of the children of Israel. A generation that did not know Moses. A Pharaoh who did not know Moses. That reminds me of the circumstances in which mothers raise their boys and girls today. We are living in a nation and in a generation that does not know the God of the Bible. When you talk about the Bible, 
and old-fashioned values and mothers who love Jesus, there are many young people and boys and girls today who really don't know what you're talking about. Listen, if you have a Christian mother, you have a tremendous heritage. Some of you have mothers who are still living today. Others have lost. You've lost your mother in death. And for some, the loss of your mother may have occurred many years ago, but for others, it has been more recent. For some here today, the pain of that loss may still be very fresh. But listen, if you have had a godly mother, you have a lot to be thankful for. And yet, we're also aware of the fact that there is a generation in America today that does not know what it means to have a godly Christian mother. Egypt, in the Old Testament days, was not a lot different from our modern society in many respects. The land of Egypt was a very pagan land. They had all kinds of gods. They didn't believe in the one true God of the Bible. They had a variety of gods. They had gods of every kind and description. And as the result of the various kinds of gods they worshipped in Egypt, they also had a very low regard for human life. Human life was very, very cheap in Egypt. In the same way, human life has become cheap in our society today. And by the way, when a society begins to minimize the sanctity of human life, it inevitably leads to violence and bloodshed such as what we have witnessed so much in recent days. When we teach our children that we're all just a product of evolution or that abortion is simply a medical procedure, what do we think would be the results? Of course, I'm not saying this is the only factor involved, but I just can't help but believe that when we teach survival of the fittest as dogma, that it at least contributes to this kind of violence that we are seeing in our world today. Pharaoh had the very same mindset that we're teaching today. When we minimize the sanctity of human life, And because of the edict of the Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, there was the requirement that all the baby boys of Israel would be thrown into the crocodile-infested Nile River. They wanted to do something to snuff out the lives of these people of faith. They wanted to do something to minimize the impact of the children of Israel. And so they sent out the edict that every baby boy was to be destroyed in the Nile River. Now think about how this must have impacted Jochebed. It reminds us today of the tremendous assignment which mothers have. It reminds us that mothers are assigned the responsibility of bringing up boys and girls in an atmosphere and a society that is filled with the worship of all kinds of gods. As a result, there is very little regard for the sanctity of human life. That's the background and the occasion 
for the birth of the little boy, Moses. Now, notice the dilemma that Jochebed encountered. Birth is supposed to be a happy time. We already know that Jochebed had some other children. We already know that she had a daughter, Miriam, who was about 15, a teenager. She also had a little boy named Aaron, who was about three years old. She already has her hands full, and now she's preparing to have her third. She's going to deliver another child. The time of giving birth ought to be a time of great joy and great expectancy. But for Jochebed, it wasn't like that at all. It was a time of grief and great anxiety. She became aware of the fact that she was going to bring into the world a child whose life was going to be in danger. Today is also a great time of anxiety. I think about our young couples in this church family. And I thank God for young couples who know that they need to be in church and bring their boys and girls up in the church. And I thank God for you Christian mothers and fathers. But it is also a time of great anxiety in America today because we are aware of the devastating atmosphere in which children live today. We're aware of the fact that these are very difficult times in which to raise children. For nine months, Moses' mother knows what the penalty is if it's a baby boy. Then the time for birth occurs. And in those days, midwives were there to aid the mother during the delivery. So there was no doubt a midwife who was there and was assisting. Well, the baby was born, and the midwife is over washing the baby, and Jochebed has a question she must ask. The midwife knows she's getting ready for that question, and she dreads it. The inevitable question comes, and Jochebed says, Is the baby a boy or a girl? And with choking voice, the midwife says, It's a boy. The moment she hears that, she is aware of the fact that her little boy is in danger. She is aware of the fact that her little boy's life has already been called for by a hostile nation. When God gives the beautiful birth of a baby, be aware of the fact that little baby born into your family is born into the midst of a hostile culture that has already laid claims on the life of your little one. This is the dilemma that Jochebed encountered. She knew her little boy was being born into a hostile world that wanted to devour him. But notice, secondly, the determination she exhibited. Notice what Jochebed did. Look with me in uh, Exodus chapter 2 at verses 1 and 2. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him for three months. 
You talk about a determined woman. Can you imagine trying to hide a newborn baby for three months? How long do you think it took until that little one found his lungs? How long do you think you could keep a little one like this hidden? She eventually realizes she has to do something. This little child is here and she cannot hide him any longer. So she makes a choice. She determines that she is not going to allow her baby to be destroyed in the rivers of the Nile. Now listen, that's what every mother here this morning has to decide. Every mother has to come to a point of decision and determination in your life that your child is not going to be destroyed. That your child is very special to God. Can you see that determination? Listen, it takes a lot to raise a child today. It is not easy to be a mother today. It takes a lot of tears and a lot of work and a lot of prayers and a lot of love. This world is full of things that are set on destroying your child. It takes a great amount of determination on your part that you are not going to let the world have them. The average child today spends more than five hours every day watching television and less than five seconds a day reading the Bible. Which do you want influencing your child's life? Television or the Word of God? Now, I hope you say the word of God, but mom, that isn't going to happen automatically. It's got to be modeled and it's got to be instilled in them. If you want a young man who loves the Lord, if you want a young lady who loves Jesus Christ, it's going to take much determination on your part. You can't just pray and hope for the best. You have to be determined that you are going to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And I think somewhere along the way, Jochebed realized that she was not going to be able to keep this son of hers out of the Nile. But I have the idea that she determined that if her son was going to have to go into the Nile, she was going to do something to protect that child as he went into the Nile. The Bible in verse 3 says, But when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. Then she put the child into it and set it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. You know, it's a natural thing to want to protect your children from any harm. And, of course, all of us wish we could just uh, wrap our children in some kind of protective bubble before we... Uh, send them out into the world. And we naturally try to shelter them from the harmful influences of our culture. But sooner or later, at some point, your children are going to have to go out into the world in which they live, into the culture that surrounds them. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can get your children to the Lord Jesus Christ and get them into the safety of the ark so that when they go out into the world in which they live, 
they will be in the safety of a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Mothers, the greatest thing that you will ever do is to lead your child to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Far more important than the clothes you put on their backs is the faith you put in their hearts. Far more important than the culture with which you surround them will be the Christ you put within them as they come to know him as Savior and Lord. This is far more valuable than a protective bubble. Listen, you ought to begin praying every day for the salvation of your children, mom and dad. Every day of their lives, you should pray for that. In fact, you ought to begin praying nine months before their birth. And then you ought to pray every day after their birth until the day they are saved. And keep praying until that glad day that they receive Jesus Christ into their hearts and lives. So here goes little Moses into the Nile, in the ark of safety. And the story gets very beautiful here. There's baby Moses floating down the Nile River in that little ark in the midst of the bulrushes. And his sister Miriam, the teenager, is in the reeds looking to see what is going to happen. About that time, Pharaoh's daughter comes out to her private swimming pool. Her aides are walking along the sides and they spy a little ark floating in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter says, go get that little ark. They get it and they bring it to Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 6 says that she saw the child and behold... The baby wept, and she had compassion on him. The moment they get that ark to Pharaoh's daughter, she looks in, and little Moses cries. Why did Moses cry at that moment? I think God pinched him. Not really. But, but you see, God is in this. God is in this. When you get... A mother's heart and a little baby together, something special happens. That's why God gave little boys mothers. That's why God gave little girls mothers. Because God knows that little boys and little girls need somebody who has a heart to love them unconditionally. They need somebody to take care of them and to nurture them. Mothers determine in your heart today that you are going to do whatever it takes to nurture and provide for that precious little one that God has entrusted to you. Notice, thirdly, the dedication she instills. Miriam comes walking up about that time and asks, Would you like to have a nurse to take care of this little baby? And she says, I really would. And so Miriam says, I happen to know a Hebrew woman who can do it. Who do you think she chose? Jochebed, the baby's mother. So Pharaoh's daughter says to Moses' mother, not knowing who she is, you take this child away and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. 
Isn't that something? God gave her a little baby, and now God is going to pay her to take care of it. A mother's wages. The last part of verse 9 says, So the woman took the child and nursed it. Now listen, Jochebed knows that she only has a short amount of time before Moses is going to be taken into the palace to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. She knows that she is only going to have a few short years to put some dedication in the heart of Moses. She knows she just has a few years to put some faith in the heart of Moses. Mom, listen, you only have a few years to do your job. Mom, you don't have many years. It goes by in a hurry. I think about these dear grandmothers and great-grandmothers sitting here today. They're wondering, where have the years gone? They went by so quickly. You better do what you're going to do, putting dedication in the lives of those children while they are in your care. Think about it. What a preaching situation this is. What a preaching opportunity this is for mothers. God has given you a congregation right in your own home. You say, can mothers preach? Oh, can mothers preach? Some of the strongest sermons I have ever heard, I heard from my own mother. Have you ever been preached to by your mother? Jochebed determined she is going to teach this boy the lessons that will put dedication in his heart. She knows where he is heading. She's getting him ready to go. I wonder what she taught little Moses. I think she taught him two great lessons. I think one was who he was, that he was special to God. She wanted him to know that God had a purpose for his life. Moms and dads, listen, speak words of encouragement to your children. Make sure they know that God loves them and that he has a purpose for them. Tell them who they are, that they are created by God and that they belong to God. That they're not the result of some fortuitous concourse of atoms or some accidental uh, evolutionary process. That they are products of the creative activity of God. But I believe there was a second thing she taught him. I think she taught Moses who God is. I think she said to him, Moses, I want you to know that our God is not the God of these pagan Egyptians. Moses, our God is the God who created this whole universe. There is no other God like our God. He is the Lord God Almighty. He is the Lord God Eternal. Moses, don't ever forget who you are and don't ever forget who God is. Young people, listen. If you have a mother and a father who have had enough faith in the one true God to bring you up in the things of God, you have a lot to be thankful for. And teenagers, I know that some of you complain sometimes because it's a little different at your house than it is at the houses of 
your friends from school, but someday soon you will be very thankful for that godly heritage. Jochebed knew her time was limited. So she did all she could to instill dedication to God in Moses' heart. She did an outstanding job because we see, fourthly, the decision that she influenced. She has him for just a few short years, and then the inevitable day comes. Verse 10 says, And the child grew, and she brought him into Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. The inevitable day arrived when the knock came at the door, and the servants of Pharaoh's daughter came to get Moses. How do you think Jochebed felt that day? Remember what it was like the first day you took your child to school? Maybe you took them out and they got on the bus and then you waved goodbye as they went to school the first time. That must have been what she felt, but to even a much greater degree. I can almost see her now as the tears fell from her eyes down the neck of her little boy, Moses. I mean, can't you see her as she puts her arms around this little boy and she whispers in his ear, remember, Moses, who you are. Remember who God is. But now he goes into a totally different atmosphere. He moves into the fast lane of Egyptian society. All the cream of the luxury and the finery will now be poured into the cup of this young man, Moses. He's living in the home of Pharaoh's daughter. He's in an altogether different atmosphere socially. He's with the high-flying set. He's moving with the movers and shakers. He now belongs to the Nile Country Club. He's driving a crocodile Mercedes. He's got it made. But understand, it's a whole lot harder on kids in the atmosphere of prosperity. And I have a feeling that he would be out sometimes with the boys and they would want him to do something. And he would hear a voice, the voice of his mother in his ears saying, remember, Moses, who you are. He also went into an altogether different atmosphere academically. The Bible says in the book of Acts that he was trained in all the wisdom of Egypt. The background is that he went to the University of Heliopolis, 10,000 students. It was the Harvard of the ancient worlds. And I can just imagine that on a certain day, A professor stood up in the university classroom and said, Young men, I want you to know that you came from a little white worm that crawled out of the Nile River and evolved into a man. But Moses could hear his mother whispering, Remember, Moses, who God is. Had Moses' mother been successful in her training Would the loving care of a godly mother be enough? The answer finally came. When Moses came to the age of 40, they took the throne of Egypt and they put it on a silver platter. He was in line to be the next Pharaoh of Egypt, according to history. 
So they put the throne on a silver platter, so to speak, and they offered it to Moses. But Moses said, I'm sorry, I can't take it. And they said, you crazy Hebrew, go ahead and take it. What do you mean you can't take it? And he said, this woman is not my mother. My mother is a slave woman who lives in the tents of the Israelites. Her name is Jochebed. My mother has taught me that this world is not the only world there is. There's another world. My mother has taught me that there is a God who is going to send His only begotten Son to be the Savior and to come into the world. And so I have made a decision. I'm going to put my lot in and cast my life upon my mother's God. That's the day Jochebed got her wages. The book of Hebrews, of course, describes it this way. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Mothers, if you will make up your mind to bring up your sons and daughters in the things of the Lord, the day will come when you will get your wages. One of these days, you will see that little one get down beside their bed and you will see them through tears ask Jesus Christ to forgive them of their sins and to ask Jesus to come into their lives as their Savior and Lord and Mother, you will get your wages. Then you will see those sons and daughters begin to grow and you'll see them as they get involved in the activities of the church and you'll see them living for Jesus. And mother, you'll get your wages. Then they'll have some decisions uh, to make along the way as to whether they're going to live for the world or live for the Lord and they'll decide to live for the Lord and mother, you'll get your wages. Then the day will come out there somewhere when, they, when you will get that card in the mail. And it will tell you what they think of you and how wonderful you are to them and what you mean to them. And when you get that card in your hand, mother, you will get your wages. One of these days, you'll get a phone call from a long way off. And that young man or woman will say to you, Mother, I want you to know I appreciate all you did to bring me up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that day, you'll get your wages. And the day will come when they will bring sons and daughters into the world. And, they will, and you will bring up grandbabies to love Jesus Christ. And, Mother, you'll get your wages. What do we need to do today? Make sure that we're the kinds of mothers and fathers that we need to be. Make sure that we know the Lord and that we're leading our children to know and love Him as well. And by the way, moms, even if you never get those kinds of wages, just knowing that you lived a godly life before your children and trusted Him in obedient submission, you will have fulfilled your high and holy calling as a godly mother. Ultimately, your wages come from the hands of the Lord. 
But if you never get a thank you card in this life, rest assured that your Heavenly Father will reward your faithfulness in your role as a mother. But what do we need to do in response? We need to be the kind of people God instructs us to be in His Word. Let's not buy into worldly philosophies about the roles of mothers and fathers. Let's understand that God holds mothers in high esteem. And let's give thanks this morning, but let's strive to be all we need to be for His glory and honor. Let's pray together. Father, we pray this morning that uh, You would encourage the mothers who are here today, Lord, we know there's a tremendous responsibility for mothers and fathers. And we know that this world is hostile toward you and your truth. And so, Lord, uh, we pray you would help us to stand firm in what we know to be your, your word. And, Lord, we pray that you would help us, give us your grace to uh, do what we need to do as mothers and fathers, that you would supply your uh, wisdom in that role. And, Lord, we pray that you would help us, enable us to be all you want us to be for your purpose and your glory. And to uh, instill in our children that faith that has been uh, passed down from generation to generation. So, Lord, we pray that uh, you would bless this morning. Help us as we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.